The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! What I mean by that is when you pair it with an active ingredient, whether it's like melatonin for sleep or, you know, we have active ingredients in our sex gummy, it heightens the effects of them. And so when I started to work with chemists and play with different formulas, I saw that you could actually have less of an active ingredient, but a more powerful effect. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Amanda Getz. We have a powerful one for you guys today. What do you know about sex gummies? I am learning a lot about sex gummies. <laughs> I've been testing in the bedroom, sometimes by myself, sometimes with you, but I'm, I'm learning a lot. By yourself? Yeah, learn. I, I, I did a little trial and error. She has horny goat weed in her gummies. <laughs> yes, and you're jumping ahead, Lauren. So We have Amanda on the show today. She is the founder and CEO of House of Wise. You guys have heard us talking about it on this show. We actually invested in the business and just fell in love with the products, fell in love with the founder of the story. She's also a single mom of three, very inspiring woman who is heading up an incredible brand that we could not be more excited about. She also has a really interesting story and she goes into that story. We talk about divorce, which I don't think we've discussed enough on this podcast and she's so open about it. She talks about being a mother, but also wanting to be this badass entrepreneur and the struggle between that. And she goes into some really intimate moments in her life and is really open and honest. I think you guys are going to be obsessed with this episode. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've done so many of these shows now, and sometimes you get a guest and you get someone on the show that you just click with and you feel like you just keep talking and talking. You can go on for hours and hours. And Amanda was definitely one of those guests. You know, sometimes it just clicks. So I think you guys are going to like this episode. We had fun doing it. She came out to Texas and we covered a lot of ground. On that note, let's talk about sex gummies, sex, divorce, intimacy, all the things with the creator of House of Wise, Amanda. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Amanda, thank you for making the trip out here. I love it here. We're, get, we're getting more and more people sucked into the, the Texas, Austin world. Did you just move to Miami? I moved to Miami. I was in New York for the last 11 years, but I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up on a farm in central Illinois, like 800 people. So when I come to Texas... It's kind of Midwest feeling, so it feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a mass exodus. It's like Miami or Austin, right? Miami is really fun. It feels like New York went on vacation because everybody there is from New York right now. That's amazing. New York went on vacation. I feel like we need to get over there immediately. Come on vibe. Yeah. That's that's a vibe. We'll take a sleep or a sex gummy and go to Miami and party. (laughs) Yeah. Drop off your daughter because I have three kids. We'll just, I'll I'll watch. We were talking off air how you have three kids, which is so wild. But I would like to go back before you had three kids and maybe talk a little bit more. You said that you grew up in the Midwest. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I have a very untraditional background. I grew up on a farm and I actually got engaged at the age of 19. Got married at 21 because really growing up, I'm a first generation college grad. Neither of my parents went to college. My dad is the town plumber. My mom is a stay-at-home wife and mom. And I didn't realize like really what your upbringing 
like what that does to your subconscious and how you make decisions based on that. And so I idolized, I identified with each of my parents very differently. It's like I idolized being a mom and I really wanted that. But then I also wanted to be an entrepreneur and have this career and have a life outside of the home because I saw my mom always being home all the time and I didn't love that. So fast forward in college, I get engaged at 19. I'm in college. I get married in college. I graduate early to be with my husband in Chicago and you make choices at 19 that, and if you haven't done kind of that shadow work, like the work that is like really in your subconscious, then you make these decisions. And so fast forward, I treated my 20s literally like a check the box. I was just like, okay, corporate job, check. Husband, check. And then I was like, great. Our marriage wasn't super great. So then I was like, what can I distract myself with? Great, we'll move to New York City. Did that. Then again, like we started having the same problems, but I was like, maybe it's time for kids. What do you mean your marriage wasn't great? What does that mean? I, I just want to know what that looks like to you because that could look like something different to everybody. It does look like something different to everyone. And and I remember when I got divorced, everybody wanted a reason. Like, like did he cheat? Did, you know, was there any like abuse? And it's hard because there's a book that's like not good enough to stay, not bad enough to leave. And that's really how I felt. Like there was nothing, there's nothing I could point a finger to. It just was like death by a thousand paper cuts, you know? And what really like, if I had to explain it for me, it was that I was growing into a person that I wasn't when I was 19 and hadn't experienced. Like my first flight was when I was 18. My parents have never been on an airplane. To this day? To this day. Wow. Literally. Like I, they will never come to Miami. Like I have to go back to Illinois. But so the person I wanted, I started becoming, and especially when I went to New York, started being exposed to different things, started like seeing how different relationships work, how people explore their sexuality differently. And then all of a sudden I found myself, had three kids. And, and when you start to like, when you try to have kids and I had to go through fertility treatments and had miscarriages. So all of a sudden I fixated on that. And then my goal at that time was like, okay, now I have to have kids. Like this is now consuming. So I kind of like put all that other stuff. I'm like, all right, the marriage stuff is not that bad. I want to have kids. Then I had three kids and I remember just like, waking up and I had postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety. And so I first was like, I need to go to therapy. Like I need to start working on myself. And I remember, like I said, I wanted to go to therapy. He didn't really want to go to therapy. And so he was like, well, you're going through postpartum depression. Why don't you go work on yourself? And were you guys similar ages or? He's a couple years older. Okay. Yeah. But what happens is if one person starts going to therapy and the other person doesn't, and there's already like a rocky foundation one person starts growing and then all of a sudden they're like over here and having these conversations with their therapist. And it's almost like you look behind the Wizard of Oz, like you pulled the curtain back because now you see things that you didn't see before and you can't unsee them. So, so what's you, an example of, of that? And what's I would like to know what an example of a paper cut is like is a paper cut. You left the fucking toilet seat up and there's piss everywhere like you did to me last night. Like, what's a paper cut so I can start yeah. filing mine away? Well, <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
<laughs> is this turning into a therapy session for us? Are you gr- are you growing without me? You never know. <laughs> no, it's little things that add up. Like for me, it was I was doing a lot of the motherhood stuff by myself. That's hard. People don't talk about that enough. And I started to view him and I this is not I'm not speaking poorly about him. It would like the 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 dynamics of our relationship changed when we had kids. The things that I was okay doing, whether it was like doing the laundry or taking care of him or whatever. When I had kids, I wanted a partner, not someone else to take care of. And that was the hardest thing for me. I can I cannot imagine. I think I I think I would get a divorce if I had what you're saying. No one's ever articulated it to me like that. That's ex- Michael is such a partner in yeah. having having a child. Like I've never I you really well, are I really good at that. That's one thing you're good at. No, I'm just kidding. I was listening but, to you talk and I and like there's a few things in there I think and like probably a lot of this conversation a lot of what you've done is kind of like breaking out of the status quo of what's expected, right? But like yeah. you know as you've gone along you've you've kind of like grown outside the box. But I think so many people, they get in trouble, especially in relationships, because you go through this, you know, box and you're like, okay, we're going to get married. We're going to get, yep. we're going to have kids at this time. We're going to, you know, stay together. Even if things are a little bit rocky, we're going to raise it. Like people just kind of like do things because it's what it's expected. Yep. And then they, they don't take the time to stop and question like, hey, do I actually like these things? And yeah. speaking to this dynamic is a lot of guys go through life and they think, okay, I'm going to marry this woman and then she's going to take care of the kids and I'm going to go off and do this other thing. But that's that's not necessarily always how it works. But if that's what you expect and you can't get out of that box, right. it can create this dynamic, right? I fully get what you're saying. Like you don't, you're taking care of the kids. You don't need to take care of another child. Right. And I had career ambitions. Like I'm in my thirties, got through kids and I'm like, great. I'm at the height of my career. I was leading marketing at The Knot, the wedding company. We had just gotten acquired and I had my kids at home career's going great and doing the work, going to therapy. And even though I felt immense guilt that I had to work through that like this, the societal shame of what a divorce is, I'm like, I finally woke up one day and had this realization. The way my therapist told me was like, if you're still crying, saying you want a divorce, or if you're still Googling, should I get a divorce? You're not ready. It's the day you wake up and you can say so calmly, I'm ready. Like I am ready to get a divorce and I know I'm going to be okay. And the other lens shift for me was rather than being angry about having to do everything by myself, I started to be proud. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do all this shit by myself if we get divorced. So I started to just be like, okay, I'm going to take the trash out. I'm going to take the kids to school. I'm going to do it myself. And then it turned into pride. But the dynamics and and what people don't realize when a woman makes that decision, she starts to be happy again because she's proud of herself. She's like, I'm fucking kicking ass. I'm doing this. And then their partner thinks that everything is okay. And then they get blindsided when they file for divorce because I think it's 80% of divorces are initiated by a woman. So, yeah, so I did the work, filed, and then COVID hits, and we worked through it. Like, we still have to co-parent three kids. Sure. We, we do 50-50. COVID hits, and we live together for six weeks to try to, like, figure out what the fuck we're doing with three kids and homeschool and all this stuff. And honestly, I have to say that we're 
better friends now. He's a much better, like, present dad. And it's, like, so much better for the kids because they don't have a stressed-out, angry mom all the time. We all move to Miami together, like, one big mom. We go to dinners together. It is a very modern approach to, to, like, what life after divorce could be. But I think people need to show that there is a way to have a healthy divorce because— I just remember saying to myself, there's no metal at the end of this life for like getting through every day. And I was like going to bed at 8.30 every night during like the really dark times because I was just like, I can't, I'm not happy. I'm tired and just don't want to do this. I'm like, this isn't life. This isn't how I want to live my life. And now I'm like, yes, I started a company during COVID. And like I, when I'm with my kids, I'm present with them. And this is like working. So if anybody's like listening and they find themselves Googling, like, should I get a divorce? Like, start doing the work for yourself because you have to be prepared for that and you have to be the, like, unemotional state to go through a divorce. But then you can, like, figure it out. I also think you mentioned something earlier, too. Like, if the person that you're married to doesn't make you feel good and you don't like them, I'm not talking about love. You don't like them. Respect them. Yes. Like is very, very, I feel like it's not talked about enough. It's important to like the person that you're going to be around 24-7 for the next six million years. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand what relationship dynamic you want. Like, I want to do life with my person. Like, I want to build with them. I love building companies. I love creating. I want to do that with my person, you know? And we were running daycare together. Like, it was like, what time will you be home? Okay, I'm going to go to the gym. And then when I come back, like, you can go to the gym and then I'll do this. Like, it was literally like, we should have had like an Asana board for this stuff because we were just like ships passing in the night. And that's just, that could work for some people. Some people have more avoidant, like attachment styles and they're okay kind of being in their independence, but that's just not me. Let me ask you this. You're a very confident person and obviously you can't do what you, what you're doing and take the chances that you're taking. If you, if you're, if you're not a confident person, right? Like speaking, I think firsthand experience, like it's, it, it takes guts to do what you're doing and build what you're building and, you know, take the life and make the life choices you've made. Have you always been that way? Or is this something that's been learned? Because the reason I ask, there's a lot of young people that listen to this show and it's a topic that comes up, like where does confidence come from? How do you become confident? All these things. So two things. I would say you fuck up a lot and you realize it's not that bad when you fuck up. Because like I was at like pretty low, like three toddlers and being like, I don't want to be in this marriage. And I like didn't know if I wanted to switch my career And when you're in a low point and you realize it's not that bad and you can still get through it. So for me, it's been like, I had a failed startup before. Like I've gone through, and even like not that having fertility treatments is ever like never a failure. But like when you go through hard things and you come out and you're like, okay, I made it through another one. All of a sudden, the like other side of whatever wall you feel like is in front of you doesn't feel that scary. So that's number one. And number two, I, as I get older, I just don't care what people think as much. And I think that's the most freeing feeling. Like, I know you, we've, we were talking about this a little bit before, but like, even just now being single and like leaning into my sexuality or even exploring my sexuality post-divorce, because I got engaged at 19. So young, yeah. 
So in talking about that and sharing it, what I find is the more I put out the things that are going on in my head, I connect with people in real life and building that community. Like we have an incredible community with House of Wise because women are like, I don't want to live in this like neat box of like my mom friends. And then I have friends that I maybe talk about sex with. And then I have like career friends that I talk about. How do I get to like the C-suite? That's not like how we live. We don't live neatly in those confines. And so for me, the more I just lean into the fact that I'm all of those things all of the time and talk about them, more people connect with that. And I feel more confident in continuing that, if that makes sense. Totally. Not caring what other people think, I think is such an unlock. It's And it really is yeah. waking up tomorrow morning and just deciding that you just don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. Recently, you know, we moved to Austin and we had to get some new mattresses. Now, Ever since doing this show, I've learned about the importance of sleeping on a non-toxic organic mattress. I didn't even know that there were mattresses that weren't organic and ones that were toxic, but that blows my mind because you're essentially spending eight to nine hours sleeping on a mattress. A third of your life. Breathing it in. And so is my baby, which is very important. Like who cares about you? What about me and Zaza? Well, I sleep with you, so (laughs) technically... Sometimes it depends on the night. Um, And, you know, Boone's sleeping on a mattress, my dog. So we got to make sure everything is non-toxic and organic. And that is why we are using Birch. So Birch makes organic non-toxic mattresses. They're made right here in America and shipped straight to your door with no contact delivery, free shipping, free returns, and a hundred night sleep trial. I appreciate this because It's annoying to have to go to the mattress store and try everything to just have it delivered to your door seamlessly. You can try it. You can see if you like it. You can see if it's the perfect mattress for you. And then you can either keep it or send it back. When we got it, it was so quick and fun to unbox. Very, very efficient. I I liked the process. The one that we ordered is called the Birch Natural Mattress, and it has 2000 plus reviews. That is the one I would recommend. It is so comfortable. My mother-in-law, it even passed her test when she slept over. It keeps you cool at night. It's soft, but also supportive. And most importantly, it's organic, which I love. So if you're looking for a new mattress, definitely check out birchliving.com slash skinny. You should know they have a 25-year warranty, which is amazing. And they offer all kinds of discounts for students, teachers, military, and first responders. Birch is giving $400 off all mattresses and two free eco-rest pillows at birchliving.com slash skinny. That's $400 off all mattress orders plus two free eco-rest pillows. You know what's, but I think I used to be harsher on stuff like this, like meaning I, I would, like if, if somebody was going through something, yeah. like my mind immediately goes to the worst places in the world and the, the worst circumstances. I'm like, your shit's not that bad. Like stop crying, stop complaining. Yeah. And I realized my delivery's off and, and my empathy was off because even if, you know, like we all may look at something like that's not a big deal. Like stop yep. crying. Like you lost a bit, you lost a company, no big deal. Like get up and go again. But a lot of people like they put their whole, like their, they, it becomes their whole identity in this yeah. thing. But I think like the ex, I'm curious, like when you were going through hard things, were there exercises you did to contextualize like, yeah, is the, how bad this is, right? Because 
Yeah, I, have I a always framework. go to like, hey, I could be dead or like this person has nothing. You know, I like go to like yeah. the most dark places. I'm like, oh, I'm actually like pretty good. So I have two frameworks. One is this 10-10-10 framework. Okay. Ooh, I can't wait to. Yeah. So I say, will it matter in 10 days, 10 months or 10 years? And I make sure to expand my emotions or contract my emotions accordingly. Because if it's not, for example, like little things used to set me off, like I show up and like my hair appointment was like moved or something like, that. you know, so, that's like a dumb example, but you know what I mean? Well, your yeah. hair does look good. I can see why you'd be upset Thank about you. that. Blondes are very hard <laughs> to keep up with. But will that matter in 10 months that my hair appointment was moved? No. So like, let's constrict my emotional response accordingly. I use 10, 10, 10 a lot. I'll like take a step back and be like, I'm emotionally triggered by this thing. Like how much emotion is should be allocated. The other one is kind of dark, but I also do the, I could die tomorrow. Like, is this really worth the thing that I'm going to lose my shit about? Yep. And death is this thing that I do think about probably more than the average person because I just am fascinated by the finiteness of life and the human experience. And why would I waste any time or energy on things or relationships, even friendships that take away from this one experience I get. Yeah, no, that I mean, I used to get stressed about things in business and I was I was trying to think about the last thing that stressed me on a business. And it's funny, as I've progressed in my career, obviously you're doing bigger and bigger things or yeah. hopefully you are and it's getting in the and yeah. the the stakes are getting higher and higher and the risks are getting greater and greater and the and the stress and the pressure should be larger and larger, right? But I I now like having a few years, nothing really stresses me out when it comes to business at all. Like even if it's yeah. something that's like not going right at all. And because the context is like, what stresses me out is like, is something going to happen to my wife? Is something going to happen yeah. to my daughter? Is like, am I going to get Parent. ill? Am I going to get yeah. sick? Like, is there going to, is, is something going to happen to my parents as they get older? Like yeah. that stuff. And I'm like, when you measure it against stuff that really matters, you're like, like whatever. You right? do tend to get stressed out in the morning over nothing though. No, but but Let's what I'm saying honest. is like, I don't, it's, yeah. I, <laughs> Let's I'm like, be really honest. I, I constantly run like anxious, like with hot, like that's yep. like, that's my my natural High state of High cortisol level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off but the charts. <laughs> I don't yeah. like things that I think that like, if someone in the company comes to me like, oh my God, this is the biggest deal. Like there's this a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the most level, calm person yeah. in it, but I used to not be like that. And I think the exercise is just like, again, like different perspective taking a step back and being like, what really matters? Like yeah. if your kid gets sick or, you know, if you're sick. kids really does. 100%. Yeah. For me, for sure. Like once I had my kids, that I think that there's this identity shift where it's no longer about you. Mm-hmm. And so your, your, your framing isn't just so self-consuming. It's, it's like, okay, who am I to them? And how can I be the best version for them? And usually it's like, to not get worked up about all those things because if you're stressed out all the time, you can't be present. You can't be there for your kids. Yeah, and I found like I'm more motivated to do well because it's not just about me anymore, right? It's about the family and I want to provide. But I'm also not nearly as stressed because the things I worry about have really nothing to do with business. It's like the health of family and people I care about. I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but I just think about it. Very helpful. I would like to know what it was like going through fertility treatments with a husband that you weren't feeling synergy with. You become so myopically focused on the goal. Yeah. That you're not thinking about that. Like my world became consumed with doctor's appointments and blood tests and when's the next cycle and 
And then when we started doing actual treatments, it was like, is this one going to work? Okay, next month. Okay, that was a miscarriage. Okay, next month. And it's so funny because you put on these blinders because now your goal changed. My goal was not to be happy. My goal was to have kids. So you live your life with blinders on based on what your goal at that time is. I think for me, my like like check-in moment now being through all of that is I make sure that I'm not just blindly going down a path without real intention. So now everything I do is like very clear intention because I feel like I was choosing things and doing things because I didn't have like a vision for what my life should be. I even said this to my therapist the other week because, you know, got through the divorce and then I was like, I was that girl that woke up and put the like Instagram post on January 1st, 2020, like, I'm going to have the best year of my life. I got through the divorce, like posted a thirst trap. I was like, here I am. And then COVID hits and I was like, fuck. And so I was living in this survival mode for years. And so I finally woke up. I like moved to Miami. I'm like single, have my kids in school. And I'm like, I need to do some vision planning, like real vision planning, because I started dating people that I was like, I don't, why am I dating these people? Like, this is not the type of person I want to be with, but it was just truly because I hadn't set this very clear vision of where I want my life to be. And so I think it's really important to do that work. What does vision planning look like to you? I literally write down like, where do I want House of Wise to be? You know, set very clear, like you manifest that shit. You say every single day, like this is going to be a fucking unicorn and I will do whatever it takes to be a unicorn. Then from like a relationship standpoint, I say, I want to be with a partner who wants to do life with me, who I want to like go to conferences with and who maybe runs in similar circles, but like we get each other's in parallel. Shit. Like you guys are in parallel. Exactly. Yep. That they we stand individually. No one has to lean on each other because mm-hmm. when you start to lean on someone or someone is leaning on you, it's like holding up a brick wall. You can maybe do it for a second, two seconds, but like eventually you get tired and that will just like crush you. You got to be simpatico. Yeah. I think that you are very relatable because I I talk to a lot of women in DMs or email or whatever. And I noticed that people have society's vision board as opposed to their vision board. Yep. These are two very, very different things. Society's vision board is the kids and the Mm -hmm. pets and the white picket fence and the husband and and I'm doing this by this time. But what is like your actual vision board? Because my vision board looks completely different to society's vision board. So I yeah. think that's really important. It's an important exercise for people to do at home to differentiate those two. Well, it's a hard exercise because I don't want to generalize, but I, I will. But I think the majority <laughs> of people come up and grow up, you know, and this is my problem with the modern school system is like school system is you come up and it's like they're training everybody to be one way. They're teaching everybody to succeed one way. And so like the high majority of people go up thinking one way. we, We get inspired and impressed by people that kind of break outside of that and do things differently. But while that's going on, until they've had that successful moment, they're kind of ostracized, right? Like you look at those people like, oh, that's weird they're doing that. Or that's weird they didn't get married at that time. Or like, that's strange they left their husband because, you know, that's not what you do. And so what it does is it, it, 
it makes it difficult for people to break out and say like, what do I really want? Because so many people are doing the same thing. And it's like, you don't want to feel ostracized. Yeah. And when you think about imprinting, not like the Twilight version, but like cultural imprinting means what was on media? What were, what were TV shows like when you were in those formative years of like zero to five years old, right? So when you think about the people who raised us, what were they imprinted with, right? Leave it to Beaver. Literally. 1950s housewife. She's at home taking care of the man, right? And if we don't wake up, and I, I hate the term woke culture, but if we don't realize that that is being passed down subconsciously, it's generational imprinting that like, I'm very excited for our kids because they're being imprinted with women who are like, I don't want to be a mom 24-7. Love my kids. I don't want to be around them 24-7. And I want to, like, I should never feel guilty saying that. Like, I love my kids desperately, but like, I don't want to be a mom 24-7. You, it should look like whatever you want yeah. to do. The, the biggest yeah. problem is like, the pendulum, I think, swings to extremes, right? Like if, if the one side is the extreme, leave it to Beaver, and the other side is the extreme, like, hey, break the, the traditional family sure. household and do something, compl- like, I'm just using those as yeah. examples, is, you know, it, it swings and people th- start and they're like, this needs to be this way, but then it goes the other way, it needs to be this way. My thing that I keep trying to say to everybody is there's nuance. And if you don't actually believe and think in something that's being told to you or said or portrayed in the media, like that's a problem, right? You need to be able to, as an individual, step back and be like, what do I actually think and yeah. feel about all of this? There's not a lot of that going on at a high at a high level, right? Yeah. Like we all know the people, like people we're talking about. There's some, there's certain people that are scared to share their real opinions on, let's just call it the state of the world. Like they're yeah. and and to me, that's a sad state of affairs because you're teaching a future generation that you're not able to speak up, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, you agree with whatever issues being, you know, thrown out there. But I, I think that people need to like really do and that's why I asked you about your vision. Like what is the exercise that people can do that is going to serve them and actually make them happy. I don't think a lot of people are doing that. I think they're just kind of going along in life. Well, I'm going to say therapy is is the starting point of that exercise because it's all in the self-work. Because if you don't understand what your kind of gaps are or what your like subconscious bias is, like even if you have a, a good on paper childhood, there are things that you don't realize are driving your thoughts, right? And so doing that work, that introspection, whether you do it with a therapist or you go, there's, you know, different apps or whatever, but you start with how was, how am I making choices or making judgments? Where do those come from? And are they really my own today based on what I view? Or is it the like five-year-old in me making that judgment? And then Truly, it's, I do like a, like a central nervous system scan to myself of like what's lighting me up, what's pinging my central nervous system. And I I listen to that and getting in touch with like, what is bringing you joy? And I start to like the, the kind of micro vision planning, like when I think about like a week or a month sprint is like, am I, I think about a door frame. Do I have things standing in my doorframe, whether it's people, tasks, relationships, whatever, that are blocking that doorframe? 
from me getting to the thing I'm wanting. And a lot of difficult decisions have come out of those kind of vision planning moments because I realized that maybe someone's sucking my energy that I, I cannot have right now. Because energy is finite. You only have so much of it. And if you want to put it towards something, otherwise everybody's just going to keep taking from you until you realize what you want to put it towards. And it becomes like Chinese torture. Literally. Like I just decided that I'm changing my number. It's it's nothing personal. I, I like to I just want to have my 30 close friends and family to yeah. have my number. I yeah. just don't I, I think that if anyone wants to get a hold of me, they can get a hold of me on DM or yeah. or email. Like I don't need to have eight thousand contacts. Texts. It's just it's like how do you even and it starts to just become like just just tapping, 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 like a th- uh, you said it earlier, like a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. And I think putting boundaries around certain things like that, whether it's changing your number or maybe, you know, not checking your email every day. I check I don't, my email. I don't check my email every day. It because it's not productive nope. to the overall goal of what you're doing. Nope. It's offense and defense is how I describe those two things. I hunt, oh, you and I could do a whole podcast on this. I 100%. Yeah. People get so mad at me. I am not going to live in my inbox. It is nope. not moving the creative needle for me. Nope. Gut health is all the rage. You've heard it everywhere. You've heard it on our podcast. We had a microbiologist on here that broke down the importance of the gut. He was so good too. I feel like we need to have him on for part two. We also had the founder of Just Thrive On and she told us all about probiotics. And most importantly, she talked about survivability. And I want to keep talking about this because I don't think people understand this when they're buying a probiotic. So the ability to survive the trip from your mouth to your gut is so important. And most probiotic products fail to survive which is so annoying. So most people are going to the grocery store, buying a probiotic, and it's not even surviving to their gut. And Just Thrive actually survives. Here's like a little insider tip too. I have found after research and talking to all these different people that what makes a good probiotic has nothing to do with the number of strains or refrigeration. That's marketing hype. You really want to know about the survivability. Just Thrive is designed by nature to survive. The strains put up an armor-like shell that protects them from harsh environments. Like I said, very important. I love their probiotic. I take it every single day. Tina also told me, the founder, that I could take a little bit of the powder and give Zaza a little lick. I also give Boone, my chihuahua, the pet probiotic, very much about it. It's vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, and free from anything artificial totally safe for kids. You could mix it in their smoothie or even bake with it and it doesn't lose its potency. Just Thrive supports beautiful skin, better sleep, and easier weight control. So you are going to save 15% off for an exceptional gut. Go to justthrivehealth.com slash skinny and use promo code skinny. That's justthrivehealth.com slash skinny. Use promo code skinny. Well, there's certain like this is a perfect example of things that are expected that don't always pan out in the best way, right? Yes. Like you're expected, especially in, you know, a company to answer every single email right away or within a reasonable yeah. time. Like it it's become it, it's become something in society that is just expected, but it's it 
but it's also become this incessant thing where like anybody can just ask anything of you anytime. Or right. a text message. The text messages. I think text messages, I want to do a whole podcast on this. They're so intrusive. They're, it's out of fucking yeah. control. If you text me on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock and you expect an answer at 12.01, that is batshit crazy. Yep. You're coming into my time on my work day yeah. to ask me to do something. Like I sometimes don't text back for two weeks. It's nothing Same. personal. I just, I have yep. a daughter, I have a husband, I have a business. Like you are being intentional with your energy and you have goals. And I think people feel because everyone has access to our, everybody, you feel like you should. And I always tell my like team and my family, I'm like, we're shooting all over each other. <laughs> like literally, I don't have to respond. And so the way we've actually structured our work culture, because I've gone deep and gone really nerdy on the nine to five and where it comes from. And it's obviously when it was industrial revolution, men were going into factories, making cars, whatever. But the nine to five doesn't exist anymore. Like we're working on computers. We're like doing this stuff. And so for my team, we have like a 70% async, meaning not on computers, not at the same time and 30% synced. So we have a couple of touch points throughout the week. But if we have like very clear goals that are tangible and quantitative, and then we align on the strategy to meet those goals, then go do your job in the best way that is for you. Because like for me, my cortisol levels are like you. Mm -hmm. When I wake up in the morning, my brain cannot You're stop. Gone. Yeah. The second I get out of bed, I'm like firing on all cylinders. So I know I have to from like 5 to 6 a.m. whenever I wake up, until about 10 is when I get my best like offensive work done. If I need to do a deck or I need to like really think about something, that's my time. Then I have like my defensive time, which is like around 1130 until like two or three. I call defense is like when someone can come into my space. And then I shut off because my cortisol levels crash around three. So that's when I need to go naturally get them back up and I'll like pop a strength gummy or whatever and I'll go work out. And then I've already gotten my stuff done for the day because I use that like efficient time when I'm firing on all cylinders. I don't feel guilty being completely off the grid or like posting that I'm at the pool. I don't fucking care if my investors see that because it's like I got what I needed to done for the day that I felt like that was my definition of success for the day. It's exactly what Tim Ferriss says in his book, The 4-Hour yeah, Workweek. He that says, book changed my it's, life. It's, it's so incredible. Everyone should read it. It says that when he was at an insurance, like a car insurance firm, that everyone would get to work at 9 o'clock and they would do all their cold calling from 9 to 5. He realized if he started work at 7.30 a.m., and he could get two hours of cold calling before everyone got mm -hmm. into the office, that not only was he more efficient, he got all the customers before yeah. everyone. So he took a nine-to-five job and he pushed it into two hours. The, the only caveat I would say is there's a lot of people that haven't like actually read the book and they hear four-hour work week and then they think like... No, go read the book. Don't have, just... There's yeah. a lot of like working smarter, working yeah, more creative, sure. like if finding like the a, angles, like find, you know, there's a lot of people that... It doesn't mean you actually work four Here's hours. the way that just, I look just at go it. Read, go read the book. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, a company should just have 
goals and support systems to hit those goals. Yep. And then there should be accountability measures if you're not hitting the 100%. goals, right? Like I don't care if, I tell my team all the time, I don't care if you work in a tree in the Amazon if you get the goal done, right? Exactly. But like if you can't, then there's maybe more accountability where then there is a more traditional office structure yep. or a, a worse conversation. But I think like COVID's been interesting because there's a lot of people that don't want to go back to the office ever which I understand. And I think that works for people that can hit their goals, but for yep. people that can't and can't hold themselves accountable, it doesn't work. Yep. And so I think like this you is- You just have to, you have to be self-aware enough this, to realize- This is where like, there's nuances, to, right? Because some people will look at something like, well, now every company is like, we've adopted a whole work from home culture. Right. I, I get it, fine. It's not going to be for everyone because somebody's going to be sitting at home going, I need, I'm procrastinating. I don't mm -hmm. know how to get my work done. I need supervision. I need accountability. I need mentorship, whatever, then they're going to have to find a culture and a, a work, you know, place. That, we we kind of offer both. I think this is what's also great. important too, where there's a lot of people that want to, like, that's where they, that's where they have their human interaction, yeah. right? Like they come for the culture. And if yeah. you take that away, then they're like, I'm sitting, like we've, we've had issues, especially with people that, you know, recent graduates that maybe have a couple roommates that haven't found their, like, their home and their, yeah. their significant other yet. And they're like, I come to the office to be with the people and you take that away and put me back in my... It's isolating. Yeah, it's isolating. So it's like this... I just think that like the biggest word... I keep throwing the word nuance around because we've we've started dealing in a lot of absolutes at yeah. least in the most recent years. And I think it just, it just doesn't work. Yeah, 100%. I think that you can apply that to everything. Everything, yeah. Literally. I'm going to take a little turn here and go off on a tangent, but... Uh, you mentioned you, fertility and we just had a fertility specialist on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who's going through those treatments? And what what did that look like for you? What was the process? Was it like you froze your eggs and made embryos and had babies or was it it was it not linear? Was it a whole a whole like situation? Yeah, for me, I have PCO, so I wasn't ovulating. What is that if someone doesn't know? Yeah, polycystic ovarian okay. disease. So you have cysts on your ovaries, and so I wasn't ovulating. And so I was fortunate enough that I just had to go through IUI, What's which that? is intrauterine insemination, which basically means you do the shots, you you figure out when you can ovulate, you do the shot when to make you ov ovulate, and then they basically turkey baster you so they can time it perfectly that they, you ovulate, they inseminate you. They so take you, your husband's sperm, like and yeah. it, not a turkey baster, but like, but like it looks just like a turkey baster. So it like is a turkey baster probably. <laughs> Basically. And then they just squirt it up there and that's So that it. it's timed perfectly with the, the ovidrill shot that you take so that you inseminate. Like What's a, the difference between just using a penis? Not as efficient as the turkey baster. Yeah, the turkey baster gets up in there and they literally say like, Don't get any ideas meat about egg. a turkey baster. <laughs> like you're going to like, uh, during Thanksgiving, you're going to be like saving the turkey baster. Oh, God, <laughs> Wait, so so the, was the process, you're saying that the process wasn't maybe as gnarly for someone that's doing full IVF? Correct. Because okay. then you have to, so I have, so once I went through my divorce, I decided to freeze my eggs. So I have gone through that process because I was like, I don't think I want more kids, but I also was, you know, 32 and I didn't want to make any decisions for 36, 38, 40 year old Amanda. 
Like, I think optionality is powerful. 100%. And so I froze my eggs. I have a lot of empathy for someone who has to go through that harvesting process because holy fuck, it's a surgery. Like, I was out of it afterwards for a while. Like, I had to have, I asked them for like more morphine because it's like legit. They have to go in and they take the eggs out. So that's pretty- Would you recommend it like to do or did you think it was overwhelming? No, I highly recommend it if you have the means to do it because I don't stress about it now. Like mm-hmm. I don't have that like cognitive overhead of up against time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think women struggle with so much and I think that that's why we lead and make decisions because we feel like we have this like stopwatch that's like all right, you got until whatever 35 and then you're a geriatric pregnancy or whatever they call it, right? And yeah, yeah not to generalize you... sexes, but it's the opposite for men. Right. Right. Like you're like, I have so much time. Right. Like I could hold off. Dr. Until... Gadir, though, did recommend that if you're a guy and you're over 21, that you should be beating your meat in a cup. And yeah, but saving Dr. Gadir so is listening. Don't he think likes that to get you're, people no, in the that guys are getting a little his. ego driven and cocky out there. Well, be, mostly because guys, they're... you should be freezing your sperm. I told all my friends, I sat down with Weston, I said, Yo, you need to freeze your sperm. But here's here. This is a perfect <laughs> example of where there's a mismatch, right? Like, yeah. And again, not to generalize every sex, but a lot of women may have the feeling that they're up against time and mm-hmm. that they need to make a decision early enough. Mm-hmm. And men are the majority are thinking the opposite. Like, I have so much time. I don't need to make a decision till forever. I have so many guy friends my age, I'm in my mid thirties that are like, yeah, I don't got to worry about anything. Like I can wait till like 40, 45, yeah. 50. And it's like, it, it's a mismatch there. Cause yeah. if they're, if they're, and I always tell my friends, like if you're with, they're like, I'll just use men and women. Um, if you're with your girlfriend and she's dedicating a large part of her life and she wants to have children with you, if you're being selfish and taking, I'm talking to men, and taking those prime years away, dragging her along because mm-hmm. you, because you're fine to, you know, wait for yeah, forever. That's not 100%. fair either, right? That conversation needs to exist. I have these conversations a lot because I'm 36. So if I date someone who's like a little younger than me, they've never been married, never had kids, and they're like, I want kids soon. I I don't know if I do. And so I don't want to waste their time. And But to your point, like men have more time. But it's like a real conversation that I find myself having all the time because I don't know whether to date younger or older because of people's timelines and the pressure they feel. My advice to you, and not that you're asking for it, but my advice to you would not to be giving age any energy at all. I would just put it out into the ether that you're open to young or old or whatever it is. And I think that'll come to you. Yeah. You seem like that type of person that will just attract whatever it is. I don't think you need to worry about age. Okay. And by the way, you look 30. You do not look 36. It's the Botox. Yeah. the guy. Well, I'm sure the guys are lined up. (laughs) They're not. The guys are Googling you right now. What happens when you're a really like independent woman is that guys... I think subconsciously want somebody to provide for and take care of. And I give off this energy like I don't need you, <laughs> which truly I've gotten to this place where I don't need a man. I want someone in my life. And that's a really wonderful place to be. And I hope more women get there where it's like, get to the place where you love yourself so fucking much and you've got your life in order that you're like, I don't need someone. I want someone. And then you pick differently, but no dating like I've had my dating profile tweeted out. Like it's it's gnarly out there. You gotta have. You've got to again. Like this is generalized. You got to find somebody that's completely self secure and, yeah. and confident. Because again, the majority of men 
I believe they get intimidated by women like you, my wife, people that have their own shit going on that are independent. Again, that's because I think a lot of the way that we're brought up, right? This leave it to beaver, like, hey, the man provides for the woman. And all of a sudden, if you know, you're you're sitting with a woman who's got a venture-backed business that she's created on her own and she doesn't really need you and she's got her own income and she's got her own, like, that's intimidating because you're like, where do I play into this? Right. And also maybe she's got a dildo. It's like, you know, what are you good for? And the turkey baster. And and also a turkey baster and like someone who doesn't leave the seat up. Yeah, sex gummy. Like, like, what are you guys good for? Cher says men should be the dessert. And you know what? Sorry, guys. That I, I've, I've looked at. I didn't art- be able to articulate that until I heard that quote. But my whole life, I've looked at men as the dessert. And men yeah. are not. I don't mind being looked at as you the dessert. Not, That's fine. Nice. You are not even the amouge bouche, bitch. At least I'm not just like the appetizer or the. <laughs> you're like, not the snack. You're, you're yeah. just no, the dessert. You're the dessert. It's like you can complement everything fine. else yeah. that I'm doing. And sometimes you just got a sugar craving, and you need yeah. a good dessert. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's take another leap here. You're going through life, you have all your kids, you have all of this going on, and then you you get the bright idea, like, I'm going to go and take more punishment and start another company. And <laughs> Masochist. The, yeah, yes. right? Um, another, that, that's five billion paper well, cuts. And, and I yeah. want you to get granular here, <laughs> yeah. and I want to talk about the business. But I also, I, I think that what you do, what Lauren does, maybe even, dare say, what I do, like, let's call it this world of entrepreneurship. It's yeah. it's glamorized and glorified. And it's the fir- it is kind of like the first time within the last 10, 15 years that it is. And I think there's a lot of people that think they want to do this kind of thing. And I always say like, hey, it's not for everybody. It's 100% not everybody could win. And there's nothing wrong with not doing this. Like, they're, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but the number two at Google or Facebook or Amazon, like, makes a hell of a lot more than all of us, right? Oh, like, they... There's there's something to be said about working with great people and organization. It's a different type of, I think, thought process to say, hey, I'm actually going to go and be an entrepreneur and do this. And I want you to talk about like the thought process and what yeah. goes into that because people may think they want it, but they may not always know what goes into it. The data is in. The people have spoken. The audience wants to know more about finance, investing, saving, and in particular, they also want to know about cryptocurrency. Obviously, this is a topic that touches everyone's life. Everyone wants to know how to be more financially savvy, save more, make more, all of those things. And with that and the rise of crypto, people are curious and they say, how do I get into crypto? How do I invest? Where do I start? How do I understand this? And that's why I love this partnership with Coinbase. If you're crypto curious and you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, don't know where to start, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple and easy, very accessible for all levels of investors. And, you know, like I said, cryptocurrency might feel like the secret or exclusive club where you don't really know how to figure out. You keep seeing all this chatter all over the interwebs, people talking about it, people making money, people quitting their jobs, people retiring. I would say do this in a responsible way if you're thinking about investing, but it's obviously a very exciting time to be into crypto. And like I said, if you're trying to figure out how to get in, Coinbase is the answer for you. So what is Coinbase? Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency to support most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible for everyone. Their mission is to create an open financial system for the world by being a gateway to the crypto economy. And they're one of the leading providers for end-to-end financial infrastructure and technology for individuals, institutions, and businesses that are looking to get in the crypto space. 
Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify or just get started or learn more, this is a platform for you. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com skinny. Again, that's signing up at coinbase.com skinny for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com skinny. And again, guys, if you're crypto curious and want to know how to get into this space, this is the platform that we recommend. Check it out. Coinbase.com slash skinny. Yeah, so I, like I said, I had a tech startup back in 2011, 2012 that, you know, failed on paper. It, it got me to the knot. And I said, I will never fucking do that again. That was a roller coaster. I couldn't raise capital. This was before it was like people were focused on investing in female founders. And it was horrendous. And I had a baby at home and I was spread way too thin. And I'm like, I'll never do that again. I love corporate culture. Like I get to clock in, clock out, you know, whatever. HR, benefits, all those things are wonderful things. Then what happened was when I was going through my divorce, three kids under the age of four, I really, I went through part of my like self-work was I started to look at like gut health and and I wanted to just make sure that I was put back together, like after having babies. I wanted to see how my body was working. And what I started to get really, really interested in is the role of alcohol and how it was affecting me because I was already having anxiety attacks. Like literally there were days that I was going from like a courtroom to like CBS Good Morning for like to be on air. My anxiety was crazy. And to the point like that anxiety feeling when you're like, dizzy and you don't know if you can catch your breath. What do you mean a courtroom to see? What do you mean? Like going through my divorce proceedings. Got it. And then having to go straight to like be on camera. Got it. And it was just in, in your in your role at the company, you were just like going and doing press or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. And so I started to get really interested in what alcohol was doing to my body and how alcohol was affecting my sleep and affecting my anxiety. And so for the first time in my entire life, because I was raised in the Midwest, pretty conservative upbringing where alcohol, totally okay. But cannabis, holy shit, no. Yep. Like that's a drug, right? I turned to cannabis like literally out of desperation. I'm, you know, an executive at a global company, three toddlers running around. And I was using CBD during the day. I'd microdose THC. I was never high. People started to like notice a difference in me and be like, what, what have you done? Like what, what's changed? Cause like all of a sudden I have energy and I, my anxiety is like more manageable and I was getting my workouts in and I was feeling really good. And so. And no alcohol or alcohol sometimes. So I'm an alcohol sometimes. I don't think things like for me, I don't have an alcohol problem. And so I, I joke that I'm like, I don't drink on a school night. Like, okay. that's my thing that I say when I go to, like, networking events. But more so, I got curious about why I was using alcohol. And it was it really, like, me making that choice? Or was it to solve a pain point? Mm -hmm. Was it numbing something? Was it because I was at an event and I had social anxiety? Like, what was the driver of me going to grab the glass of wine or two or whatever? And now to this day, for me, it's because I am making the choice that I really want that drink. And I know it's going to have consequences. I know I might not feel good. Like my birthday was last week. I got hammered and I went dancing. 
that was awesome. But like, I may not drink for three more weeks, you know, because I don't feel a need to, but I made a choice. Like I knew I was going to go have some tequila and have fun with my girlfriends and that's fine. But so anyway, I started using cannabis and started telling people about it. And so many like mom friends or even just like executive friends, like in my networks were like, wait, you use cannabis? Like, tell me more. And I think the industry hasn't spoken to someone like me. And so that started festering as an idea. And when you have been a founder before and you know you've caught the bug because you start thinking about it and then all of a sudden you start like creating a brand identity in your head. And then all of a sudden you're like in your spare time writing down things you want to do with it or what you could do with it. And then I started thinking about product formulas and, and the fact that CBD, the more I learned about CBD, it has such a powerful binding agent. And what I mean by that is when you pair it with an active ingredient, whether it's like melatonin for sleep or, you know, we have active ingredients in our sex gummy, it heightens the effects of them. And so when I started to work with chemists and play with different formulas, I saw that you could actually have less of an active ingredient, but a more powerful effect. So like our strength gummy is a pre-workout gummy, which most people are like, CBD is a downer, not an upper. But when you pair it with the right amount of caffeine, which we only have 60 milligrams caffeine, it heightens the effects. Hmm. Yeah. And so you actually feel like it's more, but you don't have the jitters. You don't have that come down, all of those things that happen when you take a normal pre-workout. But so to get back to the granular process, I'm leading, I'm still at the knot day job, but then I find myself at night sending emails being like, what do you think about this? Or like, and for me, entrepreneurship is this like snowball that at the very top of the mountain, it's just a snowflake. And you're like, it's just a tiny idea. And then you send one email and that snowflake picks up another snowflake. Then you have one conversation with someone and they're like, oh my gosh, you should really talk to this person. And then you go have that conversation and the snowball just keeps going. And by the end, it just is getting bigger. I call it building momentum. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Same, it's the same thing. Yeah. And so halfway down the hill, I'm realizing I have a pretty big snowball now and it's outweighing my thoughts of mm-hmm. my day job. And so for me, I couldn't just be the like 27-year-old tech bro that quits their job and eats ramen. I have three fucking kids at home. So I raised a pre-seed round. I took two weeks off of work. I I drove my kids during COVID to Illinois. I took two weeks off of work and I raised (laughs) raised half a million so I could create the product. I want to talk about that first on the momentum thing. I think I look at project, like just call it like a business or a project or brand. I look at it to the point where like if you can build enough momentum that you personally could not stop it even if you wanted to. Exactly. Like that's that's the goal, right? Like mm-hmm. you build something that gets, it, it, it catches on and has such a big idea and it gets, you know, so many other people attracted to that idea working either within or on or outside of it that like even if you were like as the founder saying, hey, I don't want this, I don't want to do this anymore, it gets bigger without you. Like That's it, how it, I felt. Yes. Like literally people would come to me, I'd have a conversation. They're like, you've got to talk to this person. So you'd follow those breadcrumbs. But all of a sudden I was like, this is becoming bigger than me. Like I'm following this Mm -hmm. just like gravitational pull that I'm getting. And like Clubhouse was huge during COVID. And so I'd jump in and share what I was working on. All of a sudden I'd have inbound from investors. And I was like, what is happening? And so I, we launched December of last year with our first three SKUs, sleep, sex, and stress. 
Because for me, it's like we have to open up a conversation around the fact that women need help in all of these areas. And we have tons, we have editors and we have people who are creating content around all of these things. But then we also have the products that can help. So we have in-house sex experts, sleep experts, et cetera. But yes, we launched in December. I still had a halftime job because again, I still needed to keep the lights on. So I took on a halftime CMO role. So I went from like a full-time job to a halftime job. And I, I told that, that founder, I said, I'll be your part-time CMO. Until? Until mm-hmm. I raised the seed. We were traveling recently and guess who came to the rescue? Bite, okay? Bite is reinventing personal care by making products that are good for you and the planet. First of all, did you know that over 1 billion plastic toothpaste tubes are thrown out every single year and they end up in landfills and oceans? That is so crazy. So they have this hero product and this is what we took on vacation with us. And it's their dry toothpaste tablets. So it comes in this little reusable glass jar that's really cute. And you can get refills if you want. And you just pop one in your mouth and you bite down on the tablet and you brush. So it just foams up like regular toothpaste, but there's no plastic tube or messy paste. I really like this because also like not to be a psycho, there's probably so many chemicals and weird ingredients in the toothpaste tube. So to be able to just put this dry toothpaste in my mouth, bite down and then brush my teeth, it doesn't get all over the place. I'm not squeezing everything I can possibly squeeze out of the toothpaste tube. And I don't get all that nasty chemical in my toothpaste that's going in my mouth. You should also know that I looked into Bite and everything's made with clean ingredients, no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or artificial dyes or flavors ever. So their goal is sustainability and clean ingredients. That's the center of everything that they do. They're certified carbon neutral, cruelty-free, vegan, and palm oil-free. All packaging and shipping materials are refillable, recyclable. They also taste really good. These little tablets are absolutely amazing. Like I said, pop one in your mouth and brush your teeth and you're good to go. Bite is offering all Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners, 20% off your first subscription order. You are going to go to trybite.com slash skinny or use code skinny at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash skinny. And definitely get the dry toothpaste tablets. But let's talk about the seed for a second, just because, and the only reason I'm asking you this is I just think like what you're, what you're doing is incredible, but there's a lot of people, let's just focus on women founders that want to start a company. And you know, these questions come into us like, how the hell do you raise capital? Who do you talk to? What's the process? Yeah. Like how much? All of these things. And it's overwhelming. It's daunting, right? And, and I, I'd be curious to think, to know about how you thought about that and executed it to begin with. Yeah. So I got really active on Twitter because okay. a lot of investors are there. They're having conversations. And if you decide to go institutional capital route, you have to be very, very intentional. Distinguish again, like I'm just, I'm going to like really dumb this yeah, down. Yeah. For, I don't want to say dumb. I want to really yeah, like yeah. institutional versus friends, family, angels. Sure. Like, so institutional is like a venture capital firm. Like they bring in money from wealthy people who they call like LPs, et cetera. They bring in money and then they have to invest that money. So they'll raise a big, big fund 
And then they allocate money out of that fund to different investments, which, you know, as a founder, you're hoping to get a chunk of that. With VC or institutional capital comes like a board, somebody's on your board. They're telling you what they think. They have ideas. They they are pushing you to hit metrics versus friends and family. Angels is a term that is commonly used. An angel is just someone who gives you money and says, Go, go see what you can do with it. And they're typically not breathing down your neck as much. And exactly. And a little bit looser. Yeah. Exactly. Um, VC and institutional are bigger capital injections. So you, that's when you can raise like a 1 million or a 2 million. And that allows you to grow faster, right? In, like, in hindsight though, like if you were, if you were giving advice to your younger self, would you say to go institutional first or would you say start out doing the friends and family route? Depends on what you're building. If if you need capital to just cut POs, then go friends and family. Raise what you need to go build it out. Because I know so many female founders, like female founders, this is why they're so successful, but they don't get backed, is that they're so scrappy and they figure out how to make it work. And so I think depending on what you're building, figure out how much you need. Because I think tech bros have glorified, I raised $20 million at this valuation and I'm so awesome. Like that doesn't fucking matter. It's like, did you build a like profitable business is what I care about. So figure out what you actually need money for, like POs, like cutting a purchase order to get a physical product, right? That takes money. And if it's like 50,000, 100,000, go out and find angels in your community. You go, like I go on to like, Angel List or Crunchbase, which are two just like websites that you can go to and you can see what people invested and then get on Clubhouse because a lot of investors are on there. Not as much anymore because we're now back and open. But like I said, I, I spent a lot of time on Twitter and you just start following a couple of investors. Then you see them interact with an, an, a founder or an investor. And it's important to also find founders who are either like a tangential space or even in your space because they're talking to people on Twitter that you want to talk to. And mm-hmm. then you just ask, you DM people and you say, hey, I, I saw you were talking to, you know, whoever. Can, can Would you mind introing me? I would love to talk to them. Or you just DM the person directly because like I have over 50,000 followers and my DMs are open. Like people DM me all the time and I answer. You strike me as someone who figures it out. There's a lot of people that will ask questions like, how do I start a blog? How do I start a business? And my advice is always the same. You got got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. No one's going to hold your hand through it. One step. Is there advice that you can give to someone who's sitting there stumped right now? If you're spending so much energy wanting someone to tell you what to do, you're focused on the wrong things. A hundred percent. You're spending so much energy asking people to tell you how to do something. Or what about a forever student? Correct. Someone who's always yes. reading every book and consuming every podcast. At some point, you have to get off the Go podcast. Do it. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. Because the best teacher is failure and experience. The only reason I know how to do what I'm doing now is because I failed for three years with my first one. Like, and that was okay. That was the best MBA like I could have had. Because now I know what a term sheet is. I know how to raise capital. I know how to talk to investors. Um, I didn't know how to do that in the beginning. So it's okay. Do something, fail, fail fast if you need to, and then you'll feel better the next time. 
Yeah. I also think, and this is the last thing I'll say about capital, I think a lot of first time, second, you know, founders, they get in trouble because their goals are not aligned with their investors' goals, Mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. If you take money from an angel and they're like, hey, let, you know, I just want you to build a great business. Let, you know, let's say it's a it's a family member. I'll just yeah. use a simple example. Like they just want you to succeed. And maybe they want, you're going to hold on to that business for a few years. And if you if it turns into something else, great. You go take on institutional money. They might say, hey, success to me looks like you 10 or 20 xing this. And if you don't do that, this is not a successful model. And I'm going to push you to do that. And you may, I may run your company to the ground by pushing you to do that. But that's my model. So I think if you are a founder and you're going to raise capital, make sure your your goals and what you want to do with the company is aligned with what your investors want you to do. A lot of people get Amen. in trouble with that shit. Yes. I'm going to switch the conversation to orgasms. Okay. Well, that's... Um, that's, that's an, we talked about orgasms. As I hold my mic, like I'm like <laughs> cupping your balls. <laughs> I, uh, we talked off air about how you have this sex gummy that I am obsessed with. I love it to take one before I have sex. And I noticed that my orgasm is so much more intense. Yep. I think orgasms are a subject that are not talked about enough. Guys are allowed to have orgasms all day long and masturbate. But if you bring up a woman having an orgasm, it's like taboo, which is so weird. How does the sex gummy work to give you such a great orgasm? Yeah. Well, I love that you said that. Like, everything that we've been conditioned to think about in sex and heteronormative sex is that it's sex is for a man's pleasure and that it ends when he orgasms. And I love that we're starting to create content and now products for women. And we always say like, partner is optional, pleasure is not. Like your pleasure, like sex is for pleasure, not just for pleasing someone else. And so that's why sex was so important for me, especially like exiting a marriage, entering this new stage. But more so becoming a mom because when you become a mom and if you're done having kids or even if you're not, there's this weird thought cycle in society that you're no longer able to be a sexual being or embrace your sexuality because it's like, oh no, your utilitarian purpose is now done. You had sex for kids. So like, don't post that bikini picture. Like, what are you trying to do? And I am so for like just saying fuck that. Yeah, you like, see it like a woman has that has kids that post a picture like like it's glorified. But if you, a woman that has children does, it's like what would your kids think of you? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like you're married. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And it's like no, se- my sexuality is for me, and my pleasure is for me, and masturbation is for me. And like the thing that we're trying to really have a conversation around is like the benefits of masturbation or orgasming in general. It releases oxytocin. It actually helps with stress and anxiety. To answer your question about what the sex gummy does, so there are three active ingredients and they all kind of help with the same thing, which is increasing blood flow and increasing lubrication. So what does increasing blood flow actually do? Well, like if you have more blood flowing and you touch a part of your body, you're going to feel it stronger, right? So increased blood flow to your vagina, to your clitoral area, like that is going to increase the sensitivity of it. And then when you have an orgasm, it will be stronger because all of those things are now have more blood flow to them. I mean, it's like an erection, right? Erection happens because blood is flowing to the penis. Did you know that's why you get boners? I had no idea. I just learned that. Are you crazy, Lauren? I don't know if you learned that. I, I learned it. Listen, that was one of the first things that was <laughs> like, on my study guide. I figured that out a long time ago. 
<laughs> um, I know that this is true because I've been a human guinea pig to it. I'm telling you, sex on these gummies, it enhances <laughs> it the whole experience. It's like, who cares about him? It's all about me. Well, so that's <laughs> the other thing. So the CBD in them allows you to get out of your head because we operate like literally from here up all day. And then when you take CBD, all of a sudden you're operating from here down. And you're and with the increased blood flow, you're like, oh, I can now pay attention to how that felt and what that felt on my neck or what that felt, you know, like you're feeling it because you're not up here thinking about, did I send that email? Did I do this? Like, was I a good parent today? Like, whatever. You're out of here and then you're into here. The strength, I'm assuming that the blood flow helps when you work out, correct? Well, so the active ingredients, so it's different active ingredients for strength. So it is caffeine, natural caffeine, which okay. only 60 milligrams, but the CBD makes it feel like more. Because if I take, if I drink like a power drink or something, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. Yeah. And so I was a personal trainer, an ACE certified group fitness instructor for many years. And so that's why the pre-workout was really important to me because there's not a lot of very simplified pre-workouts for women that are designed for like a 45 to 60 minute workout. Like most women aren't going to the gym and having like a leg day <laughs> as much as TikTok wants to tell me they are. I agree. So. Oh my God, leg day tomorrow for me. That's going to be. You got leg day I tomorrow. Know, but I got to hear about that for the next it's, it's, day. I dread it. Yeah. Don't even bring it up because I can't, I can't hear just it. Triggered, you just triggered something <laughs> oh, in me. Please, I'm just, please. I'm just I, can't, I can't talk no about it. No leg day. Okay. Take, I'm going to roof you with CBD. I just said it because I know my wife. She gets, she gets irritated about it. <laughs> can, can anyone take CBD? Can you be pregnant? Can you be nursing? Can, can you mm. be at any walk of life? Okay, so I'll say two things. One, the FDA won't put money behind actual studies for a variety of reasons. They just passed the first, you know, CBD approved drug for epilepsy. They're starting to. We're still at the kind of beginning stages. I work with a research lab that's based out of Israel to prove efficacy. So that way we actually can do user research and, and case studies. But the boilerplate language is you need to talk to your doctor. The thing I will say from my own personal experience is going through postpartum depression and anxiety my choices were getting on anxiety medicine when I was breastfeeding or trying cannabis. And I wanted to try something that for me, I felt like I could control a little bit more. And again, every person is different. So you need to talk to your doctor about what you need. But mine, I felt like I could regulate with CBD. And I used it the way I used it was I would take a gummy or whatever as I was breastfeeding so that I knew that it's just like drinking alcohol. They tell you to drink while you're breastfeeding, right? Because it will take about an hour to get into your bloodstream. Huh. Right. Like I would be like drinking a beer because beer helped with breast milk for me. Uh, I'd be drinking a beer while I'm like nursing my, my kids because that's not going to get into the bloodstream until about 45 minutes later, hour later. And that's not the milk that's going into them. And then by then your body has processed it by the time you're feeding again. That makes sense. Yeah. Going back to the, the strength gummy, when you work out, what do you feel when you're working out? Yeah. So that one has natural caffeine, CBD, and beetroot juice plus B vitamins. The beetroot juice is kind of the magic formula because if you've ever read about it, it increases oxygen flow to your muscles more efficiently and effectively so you don't fatigue as fast. Because obviously, if you have oxygen, you don't cramp, you don't fatigue. 
That sounds like something. Do we have the strength one at the house? Yeah. I know we have the sex we one. We have the strength and I'm gonna the I'm going to try sex. that strength one tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I Let know he, he's getting so, look, he's flexing his muscle. We get it. We get it. You work out. Oh <laughs> I know, my God. I, I, oh I, my God. I, we get I it. Love the, I love the sex one. I, I was going to ask you another thing. Can you take the sex and then the sleep one right after? Is that yeah. too, it's no. too much? No, you can totally take both. Okay. I'm going to just yeah. go into like a coma. Yeah, no. But you, a good one. You would have to take a lot of okay. CBD. Can you make a calming, peaceful waking up one for him? <laughs> <laughs> Try the stress one. So I okay. took, I put the stress drops in my coffee. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I got to get on the, I got to get on a routine. When you're asleep with your mouth open, I'm just going to put a couple of drops <laughs> before you wake he up. He wakes up, he's so calm. <laughs> no, I, that's something, I, I mean, listen, I've tried a lot of things. My, I, I don't know how to, like, if my eyes open, sounds like we're similar. Like, I'm yeah. like, it's just like, okay, I got to go. I can't, no. I can't lay like down. Like morning sex for me is like an oxymoron. Like I am going like crazy in the morning and whenever like somebody leans over and they're like, hey, you want, I'm like, fuck she, off. She, I gets, she gets mad sex. because she's like, let's cuddle. I'm like, I'm awake now. That means I have to get out of the bed yeah. and I have to I'm go like outside just, the door. I just don't like chill vibes You have good cortisol levels yeah. in the morning. I just, you're blessed. His, he woke, live he lived in me. a family <laughs> For sure. that slammed doors at 6 a.m. Mm. and opened the door when you were sleeping and said, Time to get out of bed. Like I lived in a family that was like, I woke up to smooth jazz music mm. and incense going. Wonderful. My dad's yeah. one of those. My dad's actually from Illinois as well. And he, oh, okay. and he's one of those dudes like back in the day, five, six in the morning, every time I had to get up, door swings wide open, lights full bright, oh get God. up. And I was like, all right. If that, he turns I just, on the closet light when I'm waking up, I, I'll, I cut his dick off. Like I, I, you don't turn on the lights in the morning. It's so easy. If you were to tell our I'm audience, like Mr. Magoo in the morning, like going in the <laughs> yeah, dark, you know, like laser beams, you're yeah. crawling. Under. If you were to tell our audience one gummy to start with, what would that be? I would start with the sleep gummy okay. because to me, sleep is the foundation for everything. Great like, tip. If you get a bad night's sleep, your cortisol levels stay high and elevated. Like if you ever track things like this, I've done cortisol level tracking. They stay elevated all day. And what happens is cortisol levels, when they're elevated, they suppress your natural production of other things like natural melatonin, which you need to fall asleep at night, like libido enhancing chemicals. And so then you you can't fall asleep the next night on your own or you're tired during the day and you reach for that glass of wine or whatever. So I would start with sleep just so you can like start with like a good base. I, I love the CBD. I love your CBD. And I, and I, I obviously like we've partnered, but I think that sleep is so important. And, and when you talk, we were talking earlier about alcohol, Lauren and I just cut, we're like, what, almost 60 days of no alcohol. And it's like, we'll go back to drinking. I, I'm not yeah. one of those people that's going to stop forever. But I wanted to do this exercise and say like, okay, what happens if I got rid of this substance and yeah. substituted and like, the first thing I think is better quality of sleep. And a lot of people think they don't sleep well, but if you're constantly using alcohol and disrupting your sleep, like I think maybe one thing they can try is use the House of Wives sleep one, get rid of alcohol for a little bit and just substitute and see what see changes. What because a lot of people like sleep, alcohol fucks up your sleep really bad. Well, That's the biggest thing I've noticed. People don't realize because you fall asleep fast with, with alcohol. Mm -hmm. But what happens is your REM cycles, you're supposed to complete like three to four REM cycles. You don't. And your sleep efficacy, like your deep sleep. So you should have about 20% of your sleep every night should be in deep sleep. With alcohol, it's like way less. Yeah. So that like deep sleep is when you do like cellular repair, all the things that you actually need to do to feel better. Mm -hmm. And you just stay in that like top light sleep all night. But people are fooled because 
you're tired at night after you have two glasses of wine, you fall asleep really fast. You're like, I'm going to sleep great. I think it's also like, again, I'm, I'm not a woman and so I can't, but I, I just listening to, to you, my wife and some others, and obviously doing your media, like access to a lot of women. I think like pre and postpartum when you're getting sleep deprived all the time, oh it's fucking with your hormones so bad. Yeah. Right. And then you, it's like, people don't realize like how important getting a good quality, even if it's not the full eight hours, just that quality sleep. And with alcohol and all these things, you're not getting that. No. So. For House of Wise, what is next? What are you working on? Give us like what the landscape is now. Yeah. So as a VC-backed founder, you're kind of always fundraising. That's just like now the name of the game. Um, a lot of work. That's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. But we're growing. Like we're starting to get a lot of inbound with wholesale retail. So we're building out that kind of vertical, um, which is exciting. Like we just, it was very surreal. We had our first little boutique in Florida. They like posted a picture that they had our gummies. And I was like, wait, is happening. That's amazing. It was really surreal. Cool feeling. Um, really cool. It's cool to create a physical, I mean, you know, a physical product when you see it in people's hands. There's like there's nothing better. No, it's awesome. I mean, sex on the gummy is pretty good, but there's that's, right. that's pretty sex good. Sex is great, but have you ever built a product yeah. that people like <laughs> use? Um and yeah, just growing. Like now it's I'm we're only 10 months old, which feels crazy to say because I feel like I've been doing this. Like I look back, I'm like, we were still shipping out of my garage in April of this year. And now we're in the, a warehouse and doing all the things. So now it's just like getting more people to hear about it and try it. And subscriptions are big. We just launched subscriptions so people can have it now delivered every month. So yeah, it's just growing. I can't wait to see where you are in the next 10 months. You can come back on the podcast oh anytime. You're Thank so you. interesting. I feel like you're so multifaceted and there's so many directions to go with you. Where can everyone find you and your company? Pimp yourself out. Oh my gosh. We will do a discount code in this episode, you guys. And maybe we can talk offline about doing a giveaway too, yeah, which I'll include. Where can everyone find you and the company? So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's mostly like behind the scenes of my day-to-day -day and my kids and everything. That's at GetsAM. And then I share a lot of the building and public stuff on Twitter. So that's Amanda M. Getz. And then houseofwise.co if you're interested in trying the products. Huge fan. Get the sex gummies. <laughs> Give one to your partner. When partner optional, but yeah, yes. They taste good too. Yeah. I love a gummy. Thank you for coming on. Thank you Thanks for having. making the trip. Thank you. Amanda is giving you guys 20% off your first purchase. I would get the sex gummies. All you have to do is use promo code SKINNY to redeem your discount at houseofwise.co. That's promo code SKINNY for 20% off your first purchase get the sex gummies. Trust me. And then we're also doing a little giveaway with House of Wise. If you want to win some gummies, all you have to do is tag a friend on my latest post at Lauren Bostic and make sure you're following at House of Wise on Instagram.